we started off this morning talking about the resurrection. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I, I think you could, you could say, is, is one of the most important things that has ever happened in the history of the world. And the implications of that resurrection go far beyond the day of the resurrection. Over in the book of Romans, Paul begins his gospel by saying, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, I want to tell you about Jesus, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of of the dead. When Jesus came forth from the grave, there was no doubt that he was who he said he was. He was the great I am. He was the son of God. He was more than a man. He was not a person who was delusional. He was the Lord himself. And when he came out of that grave, it was a declaration of who he was and the power that he has. The power that he has over death itself. And by implication, the power that he has in our lives today and over even our death today. In that great resurrection chapter of the Bible, we began to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Man, if all our Christianity means is something today, if all that it means are things as long as we're in the flesh, and it means a lot in the flesh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You want to change your life? You follow Jesus Christ. You want, to follow, you, you want to change your family's life? You follow Jesus Christ. You want to change the, the trajectory of everything that you touch? You follow Jesus Christ. But he says, if that's all that it does, if that's all that it does, people ought to really feel sorry for us. Because Christianity is not just about this life. It's about eternal life. It's about what happens after this life is over. That's what Paul's trying to get at there in 1 Corinthians 15. And there are these folks that are denying the resurrection itself. He says, do you not understand that you're undercutting the very nature of the gospel? Because one day, one day, whether you die or the Lord comes again, there's going to be a change. You're going to cease to exist in a fleshly body. You're going to cease to exist in a mortal or a perishable body. Now, I thought I'd be cute this morning, and I was going to save our memory verse. I didn't forget about our memory verse this month. I was going to save our memory verse for the end of the sermon. But, you know, everybody else got carried away, took a lot of time, you know, song leaders, Lord's stuff. It's not the preacher. But, but we, we didn't get to it. So I want us to come back. Tonight, as we kind of follow up on some of the things we talked about this morning, and I want us, I want us to think about our memory verse. It's a long one, three verses. We're giving you some, there, there's some short ones coming up, but it's not hard, okay? So I want us, we're going to do this all together. 
If you're visiting with us, we do a memory verse every month, and we try to, we try to incorporate those into our family worship, into our private devotions, uh, teaching our children, encouraging our families. But we like to say them out loud together. It's our first time this month, so we're just going to read it together because last week was Hurricane Central. I don't even know what went on last week. Okay, so th- this is our memory verse for this month. Ready? Everybody with me? Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 50-52. That's about us. That's, a, that's, that's, what, that's what the Bible says is going to happen in the lives of every believer. This is what those brethren in, in, in the church at Corinth, this is what they were like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't, know, I don't know if I really believe that. I mean, come on, you ever seen that happen? No, you haven't. They hadn't either. So they were walking by sight instead of by faith. And, and this is what Paul says, listen, if you don't believe in that, you don't believe in even the resurrection of Jesus, and so you don't really believe in nothing. That's, 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 my, that's my summary of 1 Corinthians 15, okay? But I want us to know that this is, this, this is foundational, that the resurrection is coming. That mystery, when we see that, that terminology in the Bible of, 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 of this, this mystery, I'll tell you a mystery, in the Bible, that doesn't mean this is something that you don't know about. That means this is something that you wouldn't know about except it's been revealed to you, okay? This is the mystery. Oh, like over in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about uh, the mystery of marriage and uh, um, one man and one woman, right? Well, I wouldn't know that, that it's symbolic of Jesus and his church. That's what your marriage is supposed to be, right? Well, but I do know that because it's been revealed. It's been uncovered. So that's, that's what he's talking You know this because it's been revealed to you. So, so when we understand that the resurrection is real and foundational, how does that change our life? Well, well, we started this morning with two points. Number one, it speaks to the validity of our message. It speaks to the, to the validity of our message. And you can, you can talk about whatever message it is that comes from the Word of God. You're making a direct appeal to the authority of Jesus Christ. And when you say He was not just a man... But he was a man raised by the power of the Spirit himself. He was who he said he was. He is God in the flesh. Number two, number two, we learn that death is not the end. Death is not the end. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, they're very concerned about, about their brethren who have died, and the Lord hasn't come back yet. And he says, you don't need to be worrying about them. Because when the Lord comes, they're going to be resurrected. They're actually going to be resurrected first, is what he says there in 1 Thessalonians. So his words, he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. We grieve, but we don't grieve as people who have no hope. Because I'm going to, I'm going to be reunited with these brothers and sisters in Christ. It is, it is a beautiful thought that I hope, I hope just kind of overwhelms you, even, even to think about those things. But I want to give three more things tonight that the resurrection, I was really ambitious thinking I was going to get through all this this morning. I'm just going to tell you all that. So, sometimes I can get over ambitious, okay? But y'all can thank me later for splitting it up. We'd still be here uh, if I hadn't. But, but, but three, three more things that we can understand 
because of the resurrection and the reality of the resurrection. Number one, it's why we gather together on the first day of the week. You know why you're here today? You know why of all the times that you come together as the church, the reason that we are here today is because this is the resurrection day. This is the resurrection day. It's not a Christian Sabbath or anything like that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The reason that you're gathered here today is because today is the day, the first day of the week, that Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection, that day that changed everything. Do not forget it. You got to know what tomorrow is? You know what tomorrow is? It's 9-11, right? You think you should remember 9-11? I think we should, I think we should never forget about what happened on 9-11. I mean, it's one of the, one of the, the seminal moments of my lifetime, right? Don't forget that. Learn lessons from that. And we're going to tell you something even more important than 9-11. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we read passages like Revelation chapter 1 where John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. When? On the first day of the week, yes. But, but it's, it's the Lord's day. This is terminology that we, we struggle with in, 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 our, in our modern world where we're moving and going here and we're going there and, and to understand, no, 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 this day belongs to the Lord. Why do we make such a big deal about worship attendance? Do we make a big deal about worship attendance? I hope we shake your head up and down because, because this day is the Lord's day. And whenever you find people struggling with, with actually coming together as the body of Christ, I'm not talking about because you're, you know, you're laid up in the hospital, you broke your leg, you're, you had a few, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whenever, whenever people make choices to say, you know what, I could, I could gather together with the body, but I've decided that instead I'm going to go do what I want to do. Well, when that happens, you, 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 you think it's about that choice that people are making, but it's deeper than that. What you're seeing are these people that are struggling to acknowledge this day belongs to the Lord, not me. Not me. I can't tell you how many people have said, well, well it's, it, it's, the only day, it, it's the only day I have for me. How many people, people look, at, look at you with a straight face and say that? Whatever the day is, the day ain't for you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you, 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 know, you, you can't do work on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying the day doesn't belong to you. This is the Lord's day. You guys remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Um, they were gathered together to partake of the Lord's Supper. Y'all remember this? And, and he, he writes to them, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 through 21. He says, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another's drunk. And you can get into their problems they were having at, at Corinth, but what, but what their problems really were was, what, what was that instead of understanding, no, I'm here because of the Lord, I'm here to remember Him, they were making it about them. Has that ever happened to us? Of course. Of course it does, right? I mean, I can be very myopic. I use that word right? I can be very much about me. If it, all right, I'm, I'm going to bring that, make that a little simple for myself. That, that, that's, kind of, that, that's what my flesh just naturally does. No, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the Lord. And so when we begin to understand the Lord's Supper, we also, the Lord's Supper, when we begin to understand the resurrection, 
we begin to understand, what are we doing here on this day in the first place? What makes today so special? It's not my day, it's the Lord's day. We could say more about that, but we'll, we'll move on. We, we, we begin to, to understand when we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the reversal of our situation. There, there's that classic sermon, I've preached parts of it here, but you remember, you remember the little phrase, and you could turn it over and over? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Right? And, and, and that, mean, that can mean a lot in our lives. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. What does that mean? It means that if you're living at the time of, of the crucifixion of Jesus, and you're there when your leader, when your Savior when the one that you said, I've left everything to follow this person, they have just been, not just, they didn't just die, they were just crucified by the enemy. It is, it is this great paradox of the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. The Son of God just got crucified. Can you give me anything worse than that? I don't think I can give anything worse than that. I mean, you want to talk about depressing we, we looked at some of those texts this morning where, where his disciples, they, they were hiding. They didn't know what to do. What, I mean, what am I gonna, uh, what, what, where are we going to go? How, how is this going to play out? Are we going to be next? Everything is bad. And when you see the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that, on that first day of the week, on that, on that Sunday morning, all of a sudden, the worst day in the history of the world turns into the greatest day in the history of the world. That's what the resurrection does. It gives meaning instead of just saying, we have a man who was dying on a cross. No, we have a man who was shedding his blood for the forgiveness of all mankind. And it wasn't just words that he was using. It wasn't just a nice little sermon that he had. It was true. He was declared to be the Son of God by the power of the resurrection. Now, as we think about that, as we think about that, how in the world do we get to a point where people can walk around and, and they walk around with, 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 with wearing around their neck symbols, symbols of the death penalty? Isn't that weird? Would you think it was weird if somebody walked around and they had an electric chair on their, you know, like hanging around their neck? Y'all think that was weird? I met a guy once. This was at a funeral. And he had this thing hanging around his neck. And it was like the size of my fist. Okay? I don't, I, this is it's an interesting story. But he, it was like the size of, of, of his, and it was, it was like diamond encrusted. And I, I thought it was like some sort of Masonic symbol. or I didn't know what in the world this thing was. But uh, as my children would tell you, I went and talked to him about it because I had to know. And, and what I found out, it was a sprinkler head. It was one of these things. And apparently, this guy, he's a member of the church. Apparently somewhere, I don't know, Louisiana, I think, but he had said something to do with inventing the modern sprinkler head. Okay, it's weird, right? He had lots of money. But, but to understand, could you think if someone had, a, had an electric chair around their neck? People walk around with crosses around their neck all the time. You know what they did on crosses? They killed people in bloody, terrible, horrible, we can make everybody in this room uncomfortable if we really get into what crosses were. But you all know people that wear crosses. Yeah, because, because they're not celebrating the crucifixion. They're celebrating the significance of what was proclaimed through the resurrection. Does that make sense? 
So, so if I get that about Jesus, if, if I understand that, that, yeah, it's Friday, but, but I'm telling you that that Sunday is coming. All of a sudden, we, we, we don't lose hope. We, we don't lose hope of, of the things that, that we're dealing with. Paul would say it like this in Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those called according to His purpose. Now, you know that verse. Do you ever struggle with actually seeing how that verse is going to play out? I don't see nothing good coming out of this. This is bad, bad, bad. It ain't nothing but bad. That ever happened in your life? Don't you wish you knew what God was going to do with your mess? Uh, sometimes I'm like, Lord, just let me know. Give me, and he doesn't, he doesn't give me any insight or information, right? Beyond to tell me he does have a plan and that, and that, he, and that he is working that plan. Can God take even my mess and make something glorious come out of it? Oh, well, if there's ever been a situation to, to speak to the fact that he can, it has to be the resurrection. You may be, you may be right, right, right at the, the setting of the sun on Friday in your life where it's just all bad, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And, 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 to, and to see that from the resurrection. And then finally, this tied together very closely but it's the power to impact change it's not just that god has a plan or that he could do something it's the fact that he has the power to do something and we and we must believe that i think sometimes we think that listen these things that i'm dealing with in my life that there aren't there aren't good answers to these things there may not be any good human answers but i'm going to tell you when you begin to really understand the resurrection of jesus you you begin to understand that there. There is power. Do, do you believe? I mean, do you believe that Jesus really rose from the grave? He was dead, and then three days later, he was alive. And not because of modern medicine, and not, and not because he was misdiagnosed, and not because there was this great trick play. No, he was really dead, Right? Just like Rover, he was dead all over. And then he came out of the grave. I want you to think about the power that is involved in that. What would it take? How many times have you said goodbye to a loved one, and you remember what you felt like? So helpless to do anything. I can't think about how many times I've been called to the hospital and my only thought was, I don't even know why I'm here. I can't do anything. I mean, you can be there, support each other, right? But I can't, can't, can't fix this situation. If I really believe that God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, does that impact how I pray when I pray for healing? Does it? I mean, when you go in and, and you have nothing good to say, can, can you pray that God act in ways that are beyond your thoughts and your comprehension, that God actually heal this person, that God actually heal yourself? I'm not saying he's always going to do it. I, I started several years ago that when I would visit with people and, and I, was, I would pray for healing in the most unlikely of situations. But I'm going to tell you, there was a long time I didn't pray like that because I just thought, well, I, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll just pray for comfort. Good to pray for comfort. I'm going to pray for comfort too, but I'm going to pray for healing. Because I serve a God. I serve a God who can 
and has healed. In fact, you read James chapter 5, he says that's what you're supposed to be doing. To pray for those things. You have not because you ask not. Do you really believe that he has the power to change your life? If you go to Romans chapter 8, he says, he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay? And he does. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And he's talking, he's not talking about just things in the flesh. He's talking about the transformation that takes place. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, without preaching a whole message on, on, on that text, what he's saying is it's by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that transforms our lives. See the connection. Don't say, you can't impact my life. Listen, he can do a lot more than just, than just your piddly life. God's power is greater than what's going on in Wes's world, even though what's going on in Wes's world is pretty overwhelming to Wes, right? But God, what Isaiah says, God is not slack in these things. He's, he's not sitting back like I am saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. How? No, it's the same power by the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, that transforms our lives. So, so if you believe in the resurrection, do you believe that God can transform your marriage? It's a real question. And, and listen, maybe you've been in dysfunction for a very, very long time. A lot of people have. Do you believe, do you believe that following and being, as he says, he puts it as being led by the Spirit of God, do you believe that even your marriage can change? Do you believe that it would be possible for you to find peace in the midst of all the turmoil of your life? And you can give me 50 reasons why you shouldn't have peace. Do you believe that God's powerful enough to bring peace there? Do you believe that God is powerful enough even to forgive you of your sin and the thing that you have done and the person that you have been? People struggle with this all the time, right? It's not that they don't understand forgiveness as a concept, but they just don't see how God could ever forgive them because here's what I know about me. I know what I've done. I know, I mean, you, you don't know, but I know. I know what I've done. I know what I said. I know I'm unworthy, and, and that spirals out of control. Okay, but do you believe in the power of God? If you believe in the resurrection, if you can bring dead people back to life, I'm thinking that fixing your marriage is not as complicated as you might think it is. I'm thinking that finding peace and taking a nap in the middle of the storm like Jesus did is not as, is not as crazy as, as we think it is sometimes. I'm thinking that, that, that even saving our souls and healing us from a disease is not, as, is not as crazy and outlandish as we think it is. Because it's a reflection upon His power. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there were people, there were people who denied it. There were people who denied it. The bodily resurrection, there were people that deny there's anything beyond this. Listen, we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. And the sooner I understand that, the more joy and peace and comfort I will find in my life. 
if I don't understand it, I'm going to be, for all of my time in the flesh, very, very frustrated. Because all I'm going to see is what I can see. All I'm going to understand is what I can understand. And so, I mean, sometimes it's quite a bit, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to hit a wall. Everybody hit that wall at some point in your life where you saw how small you were, how, po- how powerless you were, right? Oh, there are points in this life where we think we're the king of the world, and then there are points that this life will knock us upside the head and back down the other, right? And I don't exactly know what that means, but you do. And it's in that moment that we say, yeah, but it's not all about this world and my, and my power and my strength. It's about the power of God. And the greatest testimony to that power that the world has ever seen is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one day, that same power is going to be seen in my life and in your life in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the Bible says we shall be changed from a corruptible being to an incorruptible being i got a lot of questions about this, but may I, never, may I never forget the reality of this. Because I think that the biblical argument is that when you understand this, it will change your life. And if you fail to understand it, it will also change your life. The resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of man, they are powerful moments. Follow in His steps, prepare for that day, walk in His light. Friends, if you're here this evening and you have never been born again by the blood that He shed on the cross, Come and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. If you're here this, morning, this evening as someone who's living in rebellion against God, come and repent. We're not just telling a story about transition. All of this and all of the cross is about bringing us to that point where that is a great day, a wonderful day, something that we look forward to, something that we pray for. Lord Jesus, come, because I can think of no greater thing to happen in my life you can't make that statement then you need to pray and you need to deal with whatever it is that's keeping you from that friends if you have a need this evening you come as we stand and as we sing